Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by General Assembly's NYC Campus. GA empowers individuals to pursue the work they love by offering courses in coding, design, digital marketing, data analytics, and so much more. Head to ga.co slash classes and get 30% off your first class with code BOSSEDUP. And welcome to episode 28 of the Bossed Up podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And I'm so thrilled to be gifting one lucky listener this month a pair of Bose noise-canceling headphones. They were a total game changer for me, and I highly recommend them to up your podcast and music life. So if you haven't already, head to bossedup.org slash giveaway to enter to win. And it's my thanks for all of you who have shared your kind reviews of Bossed Up the Podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does make an enormous difference in helping this podcast reach more people who want to hear it. And today I want to talk a little bit about crushing it in community. We here at Boss Up talk a lot about having a community of courage, one that gives you strength when you're not sure you can go on, one that you can turn to for help and asking questions and moving your life forward and crushing it in your career. And we're all about flipping that whole competition into collaboration. But when the rubber really meets the road, I think there's still a lot of mores and norms that we are sometimes violating and sometimes struggling to adapt for the modern era, especially if you are an entrepreneur, a side hustler, a freelancer yourself. So for instance, I have very strong opinions on MLMs, multi-level marketing schemes, many of which cross the legal threshold into being properly labeled as pyramid schemes. But that's for another episode. Actually, that was one of my favorite episodes Bridget and I did on uh, Stuff Mom Never Told You. So if you missed that one, you've got to check it out. I share some of my famously unpopular opinions on MLMs in that episode. I'll put a link to it in the show notes here. But what happens when you have something to sell? You have goods or services that you want to share. What is and what is not appropriate for you know, hitting up your community of courage for those items. Or, you know, when you come over to a friend's baby shower, should you be slinging leggings in the room? Or should you be sharing authentically that you're writing a book that you want them to buy eventually, right? These are serious conundrums. I think a lot of us business boss ladies have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I'll be candid. I struggle myself in finding the fine line between pushing your stuff too much and too little There's always someone out there who's going to say, I'm being too salesy. And that's something that I struggle with. Someone just called me out on Instagram about this a couple of weeks ago. And 
you know, it hurts because it it feels like there's no way you can strike the right balance, especially as a woman in this world. Now, the same thing is true for job seekers, for promotion seekers, for folks who might not have any products or services that they're trying to sell you, but are simply looking for their next career opportunity. How on earth do you balance building authentic, mutually beneficial relationships with networking, with actually pursuing a targeted end goal that you have in sight by asking your community for support? That's really what is at the heart of today's conversation And I think it's something, quite frankly, I'm struggling with still myself. I think we all struggle with this at certain times. And I would be remiss to not acknowledge that I think in a world where we're not sure if we like women who push their products, services, or their own ambitions on each other or on the world, it's especially sticky for us women. And not to mention whether you are seeking out a career opportunity or trying to promote your own goods and services, when we are constantly acting in communities that look just like us and seeking out advice and support from people whose lives look and sound a lot like ours, we can, in fact, be missing opportunities for growth and be unintentionally excluding others from the opportunity to grow with us. And actually cultivating a diverse community for yourself and for your work is something that today's interview guest has a lot to say about. So I want you to hear from this fantastic, lovely listener, Amanda, who called in with a question that kicked off this entire kick-ass interview for today, who, by the way, with a truly incredible guest who has crushed it in so many domains, you're not going to want to miss it right after this quick break. Do you ever find like listening to the news really bums you out? Listen, I am all for being a well-informed boss lady, but sometimes you just want to hear some good news for a change which seems like it's hard to come by these days. Luckily, the Newsworthy podcast is here to help by covering all the day's news in less than 10 minutes with an actually upbeat personality brought by host Erica Mandy. Check out and subscribe to the Newsworthy wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And here is today's listener-submitted career conundrum from Amanda. Hi, Emily. My name's Amanda Lauren, and I love Bossed Up, and I miss you on Sminty, but congratulations on your new venture. I have a question that I don't know if it applies to all professionals, but I know it certainly applies to freelancers, which are private Facebook groups. I find that when I'm in private Facebook groups, I'm presented with tons of opportunities and work that I otherwise would not get. It's even, like, really made a significant impact on my income and as me, you know, and just on my resume as a professional. But sometimes there's a lot of drama in these groups and it can bleed into my real life. So I wanted to sort of know how to keep that balance between your being professional, being online, and how you can crowdsource a question without being perceived as unprofessional or naive and the risk you take when perhaps not everyone understands what you're asking or your tone, which can sometimes happen online. Amanda, this is such a great question. Thank you so much for calling in with it. It's absolutely something that I struggle with as a business owner myself, who's always looking to hang with fellow boss babes and 
online communities, but it's also something I think all of us struggle with when it comes to leveraging your community for whatever career pursuits you're currently striving towards without it feeling kind of gross or overstepping the bounds and these taboos that we're actually butting up against. So to help us untangle this issue, I am so excited to be sitting down with Grace Bonney, the founder of the uber popular Design Sponge blog, who is now out with a really cool new publication called Good Company. It's actually a biannual magazine with the majority of content written by and about people of color, folks from the LGBTQ community, folks living with disabilities, and people whose identities and points of view haven't always made the mainstream. And after 12 years of living and working in Brooklyn, Grace now lives in the Hudson River Valley area of New York State with her wife and their three pets. A little slice of heaven that's very near and dear to my heart because that's right around the area I'll be getting married in in just a few short weeks now. So Grace, sitting down with you certainly feels like I'm in some very good company. Welcome to Bossed Up the Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So you are in a unique position to speak to this issue of community, because not only have you grown a massive online community through Design Sponge, but now you're really focusing on this community component to being a creative entrepreneur through your new magazine, Good Company. Can you tell us a little bit about Good Company and the community issue? Sure. So Good Company really grew out of the book in the Company of Women that we put out in 2016. And I wanted a place to keep those conversations going, but there's not a lot of room for nuance and for kind of a different theme with every person in a book. The book is much more like an encyclopedia. So I wanted to try something different. And thankfully, our publisher was kind of game to take this risk and try it in magazine format. So that's, that's kind of where we're going is we're picking up where in the company of women left off and taking those conversations and really stretching them out and making more room for, you know, dissenting opinions and different points of view. And for me, that's kind of what we're trying to do. And it's beautiful, by the way, I've got your book in my hands right now. And it's hard to even compare it to a magazine. It feels like a soft cover encyclopedia in some ways. And it's full of such beautiful graphics and content and articles of all different kinds. But what I love is those dissenting opinions in our call out culture that we have online today can be a really hard thing to manage, whether we're talking about it in the context of those many Facebook groups that so many of us belong to or manage and our in-person communities, our online communities and offline communities seem to be one in the same these days. So what have you found is so critically important for creating community that's at its core and in, as inclusive as possible? I think there are a few different things. I think as somebody who is overseeing a group like that, or like me, if you're kind of overseeing a platform of some sort at any level, really, I think so much of it is about the first step is decentering yourself and really understanding the importance of not making your your point of view or your experience the dominant one. Um, I think the second thing that people who are leading these groups should really think about is just owning the fact that you are going to make mistakes and the sooner that you can get comfortable with apologizing and just moving on. I, I find that most of the time when these disagreements happen or when drama happens in groups like this, it could all be solved so quickly by someone just saying, hey, I'm sorry, either 
I didn't know that, or I, you know, I should have chosen my words better or whatever it is. It doesn't cost you anything to just apologize. And it really does allow people to feel as if there are rooms to not only disagree, but there's room to also, to, you know, to have a moment where maybe you weren't right or where something came across in a way that you didn't intend. And I think when we can create space for people to not be perfect, that's when real dialogue happens. Totally. I mean, how can you learn if it's not okay to learn through failure? Yeah. And I think that obviously that, you know, there need to be standards of if someone just repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly is saying things that are just upsetting the whole group, then there needs to be a discussion, maybe one-on-one about whether or not that group is a good fit for somebody. But I do think that sometimes it's like one one and done. If someone says something, someone gets upset, and then everyone's banished. And I, I understand the kind of instant anger that comes up. And I think everything we're living in in our political world right now makes that anger just so easily accessible right below the surface. But I think so many of us, especially in the creative world, really want to connect with each other. And it, it, that connection is really hindered when we just call people out without talking about things first. What's interesting is as a community of women, right? Because Good Company is really all about women creatives. Um, here at Bossed Up, we really help create a community of courage, as we like to call it, amongst women who are striving and thriving as they achieve their career ambitions. Sometimes we forget that women have such diversity amongst ourselves, that there are so many different ways to exist in this world as a woman, that there are different uh, socioeconomic race and sexual orientation, gender identity facets to being part of the feminist movement or being a woman who doesn't readily identify as a feminist, right? How can we create spaces where intersectionality is at the core of what we're creating and what we're maintaining. So how can we be a part of a community, feel connected with our peers while respecting each other's differences along the way? Have you seen that sort of work well in any of the creative pursuits you've, you've been a part of? Oh, yeah. I, I think the places that I've learned that from and seen it in action most are actually activist groups. And then I think that type of dialogue that is encouraged in activist or political circles, when that's kind of applied to these larger social communities that have to do with creativity or artists, it, it goes well. And I think that typically aligns along the ideas of not getting caught up in labels. Like, I see so many people just try to catch people and say, like, but are you a feminist? And I think a lot of times when labels are so heavily relied upon or like, are you a feminist? Do you support this person? Did you vote for that person? It gets, it gets very binary. Like you're either with us or you're not with us. And I think that doesn't create room, like you said, for intersectionality. And I think so much of the dialogue online has been dominated by white cisgendered heteronormative, like white ladies from, from, come from money. And it's easy to feel protected when still the majority of systems make our voices the dominant ones. And so I think making room for all those intersectional layers, that, that is the example that leaders of those groups need to set is to say like, hey, we hear you. Your point of view has very much been expressed in mainstream media and in these social circles. Let's make more room for people whose voices and experiences have not been heard as readily. Yeah. And that takes bravery, right? It takes courage. It's not just about making, I think, what's been sort of overused that term safe spaces where everyone feels like they're entitled to their opinion, never being challenged, but brave spaces where we can agree to disagree, where we can be disagreeing without being disagreeable, right? What a radical notion. And if anyone's going to save us from our current political divisiveness, I think it might be women. <laughs> I just think, 
I think these spaces need to be compassionate spaces. I mean, I think that like safe spaces is used a lot in activist culture as well. And I think, I don't know if anybody really feels safe in those spaces. And I think you have to define whether or not you mean like physical safety, or if you mean, you know, the safety to never feel questioned or judged, which is just irrational in today's society. Like someone's going to question something and have a point of view about it. So, you know, I think it's important to have those spaces where we're able to question our own points of view. I mean, I know that my points of view have really evolved on a lot of things that I came into sort of the last few years believing. And that's because I've listened to more people who have a really different life experience. And I'm so thankful for that because it's given me a more holistic view of the creative community. And it's not all just about like hustling and being a boss and following your dreams. Like those things are all a lot easier when certain systems align in your favor. So I just think it's good to create more spaces to understand these things with compassion. I love that. I love that sort of courageous compassion, I would say, right? And so Amanda asks a really interesting question about asking for help from your community that I think is applicable both on these Facebook groups and in a broader context. If you are part of a space and you've got a question, let's say you're evolving your viewpoint on some of these issues, or let's say you're a professional graphic designer and you've got a graphic design question. How can you go about asking for help without feeling helpless? How can you go about asking for help while keeping your identity as being the boss of your own career and life intact and not feeling questioned or judged or or looked at with a raised eyebrow because we're all learning and growing, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the hard answer is that there's no way to ask anything without somebody judging what you're saying. I mean, someone's going to have a point of view or feel like, how could you not know that, or or how could you ask that question in that way? And there's no way to perfectly ask something. So I think going into it knowing that someone's probably going to have an issue with it is just par for course, like working online. But I think the first thing people can do that would, I think, save a lot of people time and drama is to actually look at what answers have already been answered within that community, especially in Facebook groups where answers are archived. People will ask the same thing over and over again, or kind of commission, like, I need to be told all the reasons I should be doing this, or why should I believe this thing? And it's like, someone's probably already answered that tenfold. So do the homework up front so that when you ask questions, they're very specific. Like the very specific questions are the ones that I've seen go over the best online because they, they show you've done your research. And I think when a lot of people show up and are like, oh, I want to start a business, but it's hard. And what do I do? And it's, it's too vague. It's too vague. You've got to be more specific. And if you don't know the specifics yet, start reading online. There are endless you know, podcasts, websites, books, everything. There's so many places to start reading. And so I think reading and listening first before you ask questions is sometimes the best way to set yourself up to write a question that's received well by the community. I am so glad you took the words right out of my mouth on that. That that should be a PSA that we play at the beginning of joining any Facebook group (laughs) because there's a handy little search bar that not everybody knows about in every Facebook group now. You can search the group's past conversations. Say you've got a negotiation question and you're a freelancer who wants to understand how to set her rates. Give it a little Google in there before asking the question yourself and you'd be surprised the 17 threads that you might find pop up on that. Or you can always write the admin and say, can you bump up this question for a more updated version? Or, you know, if someone's looking for an accountant or a lawyer, inevitably there's like, you know, a 50 person thread underneath that. But maybe that was two years ago and you want a more recent one, just reach out. And rather than starting a totally new thing, say, hey, can we bump this up and just continue to make this post the resource? And I know not everybody understands those parts of 
using private groups like that. But I think there's usually some sort of 101 document that's attached to that group. And I think most people just ignore those or fly right through them, but it really is helpful and it makes the community kind of connect with you in a, in a better way if it sh- you show that you've shown up to be an active and a constructive member. And I, I want to piggyback off of what you were saying about specificity too, because we have these in-person happy hour events called Bossed Up Power Hours, which are always fun and free and really create that opportunity for exchange of ideas IRL, which I love seeing happen. And one of the exercises that we include at almost every one of these power hours is priming people to come prepared with a really specific ask for help. Because this community is not just about giving back, although women that I work with, in my experience, have been very ready to give to one another and support one another. But I want to make sure that women who are giving are getting as well. And you can't get the support you're looking for until you've got the specific ask. So I don't know where to start with my job search is a tough one, unless you're hiring a coach. Or the, can I take you out for coffee and pick your brain? Like that sort of thing where it's like, it, it feels more respectful of someone's time and their experience in a community. If you're able to come and say, Hey, I want to write a book but I don't know how to do it. That's such a broad question. But to say like, I've done my research, it seems like I need to write a one sheet, then maybe look into an agent and then maybe decide on a publishing house. Do you have any recommendations for agents that cover this topic? Like a very specific question. It's so much easier for someone to ask versus can you sit there for an hour while I kind of stumble through all of these questions. And I do think in real life stuff is better for those broad questions because then someone can kind of catch you up to speed a bit more quickly. But in general, I think part of being a productive member of any group like that is really doing your homework first. Yeah. And reading and listening are all those easily available forms of media can help you get you on your way. There's an element of individualism and community that all has to come together to really help us lift as we climb, as, as we like to say here at Bossed Up. And I think some of us have this perfectionism that we struggle with. And I wonder if you've ever struggled with this. Grace. <laughs> what? Perfectionism? Me? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I still do. I struggle with it a lot less lately. I think I've made enough big life mistakes that I've kind of knocked myself down a very healthy number of pegs. So I feel like, okay, this is, you know, I, I grew up really kind of putting myself through the ringer of like, have to have straight A's, have to do this thing, like all that sort of stuff that you get to a certain point of life and realize yeah, you're still making mistakes. I, I remember at one point, I, I thought like, oh, if I can just phrase everything perfectly and have enough copy editors and design sponge, no one will ever be mad at me. And then I sat down with someone who was like, oh, you know, tons of people hate you, right? And I was like, oh, oh. And it, something just kind of clicked, not that I didn't think people couldn't like me, but I just thought like, oh, I'm, I'm trying hard enough that that will protect me. And for them to be like, oh no, you could try whatever you wanted, there's still going to be someone who's angry at you for trying. Like there's no way to avoid it. So stop trying to be this person that nobody actually is. Like no one is perfect. Even the most established, successful, profitable business owners are all still making mistakes. And that's half the reason I wrote in the company of women was I wanted to actually tell those stories so that you could see that people who are 21 and just starting a business and people who are 71 and who are, you know, well-established in their work are still making mistakes in the same way. Yes. And that they're learning through those mistakes and not performing for other people. And they're learning not to define themselves by those mistakes. So they're just, it's a very, it's a necessary part of the ingredient of just, that's the recipe for moving forward in life. It's like mistakes are an equal ingredient to successes. How do you deal with 
not being liked by everybody all the time. And I know this is something that grows as your online persona grows, but for the, you know, starting freelancer, I remember when I was just starting my business, had no real brand to speak of intact just yet. One of my colleagues said, you know, what on earth makes you feel qualified to give this advice? And one of my family members basically said the same thing. It's like, how do you deal with the critics? Like, how do you deal with community when it's not all peaches and cream, when it is full of drama, when you've got people calling you out, when you're just trying to do your best? I think for me, the simplest answer to that question is that the older you get, the more you understand who you are. And for me, I mean, I could critique them everything from my hair to my life choices. And I feel like for the most part, the only ones that bother me are the ones I kind of agree with. Mm. And so it's really easy for me to shake off somebody who doesn't like what I wear, what I look like, or, you know, I don't know, something like that. Whereas if someone's like, hey, you know, you claim that you were going to really care about inclusivity, but this post you just posted really falls short of that mark. And I'm like, oh, that stings because you're right. And, but I've gotten better at not feeling immediately defensive. And I kind of just say like, if someone cares enough to leave a comment like that, you know, admittedly not one that starts with like a ton of expletives or something, but if someone's just like, Hey, I'm pointing out a place where either you're being hypocritical or I don't agree that you're doing the things you said you're going to do. They care enough to take the time to say that in a way that's not incredibly offensive. So that that's a, that's a good thing. Like it's good that people care enough to try to hold you accountable to the goals that you've set. And so I've learned to try to see it that way and take it less personally. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just when those moments sting, I try to pay attention because it usually means I agree with some part of it. One of the other areas I struggle with that I know a lot of the women you interview must struggle with because they're creative entrepreneurs and they're business women is the balance to be struck around selling. Now, not everybody listening to the podcast is into selling their services. A lot of them might be into selling themselves for a job at some point down the road. But what's the balance to be struck? And do you think that women in particular struggle with this when you're a part of a community and then you try to sell to that community? I mean, I have to call myself out first and foremost and say, I've built a broad community of people who follow Bossed Up and who consume our free media in their earbuds. And also I'm running a business here. And these are services that have value in the free market. And, you know, I got to get paid. So it's, I struggle with that a lot. And I wonder, do you think communities of women have trouble with that even more so in a world that's not quite sure that women should be hawking themselves, you know, in the same way that men do? Yeah. I mean, that's a simple yes. I think that I, every woman I've ever spoken with has agreed that they struggle with how to price their work, how to value their work. Um, I've spoken to very few people who don't struggle with that. And I've spoken to many, many, many men who have no problem with that and don't have any questions about it. And I mean, I've talked about Nitty. I mean, we, we shot the cover for the second issue of Good Company with Lovey Ajayi. And she, we were talking about people who are paid to be speakers and realizing that at a conference, the first four speakers that spoke who were women or people of color were paid two thirds of the cost of the one white man who spoke after all of us. And moments like that of recognizing people who can be fairly established in their communities and still struggle to make as much as like the one white person who waltzes in at the end. So yes, across the board, across the board, people struggle with that. I think the the best answer is to talk about it more because I don't think people know who's being paid what, 
I think there are a lot of people who try to talk about being paid, but then inflate those numbers and that kind of throws things off too. So money is a complicated thing to talk about, but it's, it's the theme of our third issue of Good Company. Oh, good. I really wanted to dive into that because I think enough, enough people are talking about it behind the scenes, but yeah. you know, and it's, it can be uncomfortable to talk about. And there are so many layers of like privilege attached to that. And I just think the more we can lay it out, the better set we are to talk about, you know, the reasons people ask for certain amounts of money versus they don't. And I do think we're up against this internet feeling of content should be free and advice should be free and everything should be free. And I love that so much content is because it makes that information accessible to people who can't afford to go to conferences or buy books. But I also think it has devalued a little bit the idea of really quality content. So it's, it's tricky. I mean, I think clickbait and free content has been this kind of pernicious part of the internet that is very difficult to overcome. And I, I think people are doing a good job of pushing up against it. I think I'm seeing yeah. more and more conferences charge and people start valuing their work. I just, I also want to see that trickle down to if you're having a conference, the people who create your content need to be paid too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, there's a tricky spot of, I think a lot of groups that are like all about women getting paid and then don't pay the people who actually create the content for them. So there's, there's kind of a full circle moment that needs to happen. Yeah. And I also see that in the Facebook group world too, like running up against how do I make my services available to people in a way that feels authentic and, you know, true to whatever group norms that we've agreed to. It's, it's hard as someone who manages a group to draw the line between, okay, what's going to leave those group members feeling sold to constantly versus this is a safe space. Yeah. And it's also the way that feels authentic to one person to sell will feel inauthentic to another person. So it's, there's no one way to do that. And there's no one right price to do that. It's really, I've found myself reacting really negatively sometimes to people that I feel like promote themselves too much. And then I have to kind of sit down and think, where is that reaction coming from? Why am I judging this person? Um, Is it, I mean, it's usually not even fair that I'm doing that. And then I have to break down like, okay, well, what are all the reasons this person really needs to aggressively promote themselves more than somebody else? And it's usually just about me unpacking more levels of privilege of either being a blogger at an era where there was so little competition that I don't remember what it was like to have to stand out among a huge pack because when I started, there were three blogs in my community. So, you know, I I think it's usually that reaction is always a, like a a little red light for me to just be like, hey, you're having a feeling stop, be quiet and dismantle that feeling and figure out what's underneath it. Wow. I think the internet would be a much better place if everybody had flexed those muscles a little bit. (laughs) We can all get better. Yeah. Every, forever. It's a never ending process. I think that's one of those things that I think people want to like have an answer and then move on, but it's like, no, it's, it's ongoing forever. It's just forever, forever unpacking the ways in which we bring judgment to these discussions and, and sometimes apologizing. i I feel like I've, I'm just like a perpetual apologizer now. And, but you have to back that up with, with learning and growing. So last question for you, for the freelancers, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs who are listening, there's a lot in the community issue here on the power of community to have a positive impact on your business. What advice would you give to those women who maybe they are just so focused on growing their business that they haven't picked their head up off their desk in a while to really reach out and be a part of a larger community. Maybe they feel insecure about their business and how it compares to other members of the community. What advice would you have on how other women entrepreneurs 
can really grow their community in a way that will help them reap all of those positive rewards. I think the first and easiest thing to do is to carve out even the tiniest bit of time, I mean, one hour a week to be involved in something in their local area that is supporting a group of people in need. It can have absolutely nothing to do with your business. But I think so often we get lost in like internet drama and social media, who said what? And when you're working with people whose basic survival needs are, are not entirely met, A, it puts things in perspective really quickly. Um, B, it connects you to people in person. It's very important to have a number of people in your life who do not know you as the owner of XYZ business. And so I think that the more that you can surround yourself with people who help you contextualize and put everything into perspective, the better able you are to kind of handle all the stuff that happens at work and then realize where either the free time you have in your work is or where a specific skill you have to be useful to people in your community it's just about kind of getting off of the internet. I, I find that the, the faster you can get off of the internet and do something in person, it puts everything into this light that just makes it all make so much more sense. And I think it's easier to step away from the internet drama and have a sense of clarity about how the skills you have that apply to the internet could actually really help somebody who lives near you in real life. Yeah. I mean, a hard thing to do in this age of Instagram models, you know, and blogs, it's hard to recognize that not everything that goes down online is everything that goes down in your business or in your life. No. And I see, I mean, every, I think the way that headlines work right now with clickbait is everything is about like some huge drama of like, oh my God, I can't believe we're using this paint color. Oh, here's the, the hugest mistake that every business owner is making. And it's this false sense of panic that doesn't need to happen. And I think the more time that I spend away from the internet, the more I'm better able to put some big, scary business stuff that happens in perspective of like, okay, well, maybe this didn't work out the way I wanted it to, or this person is upset with me. But at the end of the day, I still have a roof over my head and I have friends and a support system and that's pretty great. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's really important to kind of disconnect, put things in perspective. And then if you have extra time or resources, put those into the community near you. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you would say that because you took what is a very successful career in blogging and started a damn magazine, right? Like you've brought your work offline. It's in my hands. So is there a, a common thread there you think in, in where you're taking your creative work next? Yeah. I really miss talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. I really miss talking to people in real life and to get to know them outside of their businesses. And that doesn't happen on the internet. It really, I think even with our best intentions, we still end up kind of embodying those facades and we all have them. I have one. Everyone has one. It's like we have our brand face and I want to get to know people's real faces. And <laughs> it makes me understand and appreciate their work even more. I love it. Well, Grace Bonnie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Where can we check out Good Company? All of the information for buying and coming to see us on tour is at designsponge.com slash good company. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being part of today. And I can't wait to keep in touch and see what the next few issues hold. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And now it's time for this week's Boss Moves Moment of the Week. Hi, Emily. My name is Bonnie Hansen from Denver, Colorado. And my Boss Move of the Week happened five minutes ago when I got off the phone with an interview for what is honestly my dream job, probably. Um, and I think it went really well. So I can't say too much before, you know, it's all finalized, but 
really proud of rocking an interview. That's my boss move for the week. Keep rocking. That is awesome, boss. Thank you so much for calling in and for sharing your come up because you never really know who you're inspiring when you choose to do the same. Speaking of, make sure to call into the podcast hotline if you've got a boss move that you want to share because our community is waiting to cheer you on. Or if you've got another career conundrum you want us to tackle next, you can always give me a ring and leave your voicemail now at 910-668-2677. I want to hear from you as to what you took away most from today's episode. What did you think about Grace's advice when it came to cultivating diverse communities, when it came to calling upon your community for support and encouragement? Are you a boss business owner yourself? And how do you balance authentic relationship building with partnerships and development? And how does that work in your business? I want to hear from you in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook or in the comment section of today's episode post, where you can also find links to all the things we discussed. Now keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll continue to lift as we climb.
let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.